1: Last Sunday was Easter Sunday. No one really has a problem worshiping on Easter Sunday, do we? I mean, people from all over the country go to church, for the most part, on Easter Sunday. It's Resurrection Sunday. But guys, you know what took place about 40 days after the Resurrection Uh, After the resurrection of Christ, Jesus walked around on the earth for 40 days in his resurrected body. And uh, and he ate and he fellowshiped and he preached and he taught and he he shared. And hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people saw him walking around and and ministering after the resurrection. But then we come to the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 1 in verse number 8, I want you to look at this passage passage of scripture. In Acts chapter 1. I want to begin reading in verse number 6. Verse 8 will be my text verse, and I only have verse 8 on the screen for you. But I want to begin reading in verse number 6, Acts chapter 1, and verse number 6. It says, so when they had come together, they asked him. Now, remember, this is after the resurrection. Okay? They've already gone through the The passion week, the crucifixion, the betrayal, the denial, the the mock trials, the the beatings, the scourging, the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ, the death, the burial. Now the resurrection had already taken place. This now is 40 days later. okay? and it picks up reading in Acts chapter one and verse six, when they had come together, they asked him and him being Jesus. They said, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? You see, they were expecting a king to come. Now, he is and was the king. But they were expecting more on, if you remember Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. They were expecting someone to come and set up his rule and his kingdom at that time. And then, of course, when that didn't happen, there was great discouragement that came to all the disciples. And then the crucifixion took place and they were really discouraged. Discouraged. Oh, Hallelujah! Let them all fall. Just don't even worry about standing them up, God. Just we're going to tear them down in just a minute anyway. Does that breeze feel okay? Maybe we can just leave the doors open. Uh, just lay those things down. That's that's okay. But the the resurrection had taken place, and now they're they're all excited about Jesus. Okay, he's walking around for forty days. He's teaching. He's he's kind of ministering to them, and they want him to restore the kingdom. And so now, surely after the resurrection. They come to Jesus and they, and they say what we have in our scripture in verse 6. Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? It, you know, we thought it would be a while back when you came into Jerusalem, but obviously that wasn't the case. And then you were rejected and then you were killed and you were crucified on the cross and you were buried. And now you've come back from the grave. Surely now is the time that you're going to restore the kingdom. And that's what they're asking him in verse number 6. He said unto them, it is not for you to know times or periods that the Father has set by His own authority. In other words, what He's telling them is quit trying to anticipate the day that I'm going to come and set up my kingdom. Which, by the way, church, He is coming again to set up His kingdom. Only He knows when. We just got to be ready. Hello? Let no man, and we preach a series of messages on this. Let no man stand up and tell you they know the day and the hour when the Lord will return. No man knows. And Jesus even said, for for it's not for you to know the time or the periods that the Father has set by his own authority. But then he says, but, in verse number 8. But, now he's saying what I want you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now look at verse number 9 in your in your scripture. And after he had said this, he was taken up as they were watching, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while he was going, they were gazing into heaven, and suddenly two men in white clothes stood by them. And they said, Men of Galilee... Why do you stand looking up into heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come in the same way that you have seen him going into heaven. And then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called the Mount of Olives, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they arrived, they went to the room upstairs where they were staying, Peter, John, and the others that are listed there. That's all I want you to see of the text there. Here we find 40 days after the resurrection. Now here we are 7 days after the resurrection, but this was 40 days after the resurrection. And Jesus comes to them, they're asking questions to Him, when are you gonna set up your kingdom? Are you gonna do that now? And He says, listen, don't worry about that. In essence, that's what He's saying. Don't worry about the time, don't worry about this, don't worry about that stuff. Only my father knows. He has all authority. He'll let us know when we need to know. But he says in verse number eight, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then imagine, if you will, this was his last Will and testament. This was the last words that Jesus said and then he was taken up. Can you imagine being there that day at the Mount of Olives and you're talking to Jesus? I mean, there's already been miraculous things that have already taken place prior to all of this. But all of a sudden now you're listening to Jesus, standing there 40 days after the resurrection... He tells me I'm asking questions about the kingdom. He says, don't worry about that. He says, but you will be endued with power from the Holy Spirit, and you will be my witnesses. And he names the regions, and then he's just lifted up into heaven. And there he goes to be with the Father. I don't know about you, but I would have needed a couple men come to me and poke me on the shoulder and say, why are you standing here gazing unto heaven? He's gone. But he will come again. Now get the picture. That's what they're doing. Jesus ascended up into the heavens after he made this profound statement. And they're standing there just looking. He's gone now. He's into the heavens. And all of a sudden now they get the message. Go back to Jerusalem and get ready to live out his last words. What was his last words? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You see, I love the gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called the synoptic gospels because there's a lot of similarity there. The gospel of John stands alone by itself. But all of those gospels, you know what they tell us the story of? They tell us the story of Jesus Christ. It's the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But, but now we have the book of Acts. And by the way, who wrote the book of Acts? We probably all know that. Who wrote it? It was Luke. What other book did Luke write? Luke, the book called after his name, right? The Gospel of Luke. And then he continued writing the continuation of the Gospel, if you will, and we have the Book of Acts. I like to call this the Gospel of the Holy Spirit. And here we find in the Book of Acts is how the Holy Spirit came, He settled upon the church, He indwelt the believers, He gave them dunamis, which, by the way, is that Greek word for power. It's where we get our English word dynamite from. He gave them power to carry out the ministry that he's left for them to do. And what was it? By the way, guys, what's the only thing? Why? Let me ask you this. Why is it that God left you here after he saved you? What is it? What is the only thing that we can do here on earth that we cannot do in heaven? The only thing, can we, we worship? We'll worship in heaven. We sing? We'll sing in heaven. But what is the only thing that we do here on earth that we will not have the opportunity to do in heaven? It's witness. It's evangelism. It's sharing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, because there will be no sinners in heaven, only the redeemed will be there. Only those that are born again will be there. When we get to heaven, we'll be engaged in worship. We'll be, by the way, we'll also be engaged in tremendous fellowship. We'll be engaged also in wonderful ministry You see, a lot of people think that when they get to heaven, they're going to be like Casper, the friendly ghost, just floating around on a cloud. And you're going to get angels wings and a harp and and you're just going to float around and play a harp. I don't know about you. I'd be bored to death doing that for all eternity. That's not what we're going to be doing. Matter of fact, he's going to come back. He's going to set up his millennial reign. There's going to be a new Jerusalem, a new heaven, a new earth. And we're going to be doing ministry Here on this earth. Under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that's going to be a wonderful day. But what are we to do between now and when he comes for his church. And puts those things into motion to start setting up his kingdom. The Bible says Jesus says that we are to be his witnesses. Notice where he says we are to be his witnesses. Look if you will in verse number 8. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Let me ask you a question. Where were these disciples? What area? Where were they whenever Jesus said, you will be my witnesses? You know where they were? They were in Jerusalem. And he says, you will be my witnesses where? In Jerusalem. In other words, where you are. In the community where you are. In other words, he was telling his disciples that as you are being my witnesses, once you're empowered by the Holy Spirit. By the way, there's no way we can do any ministry or witness for Christ without being empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. We are totally dependent upon him. We need him. Amen? We need Him moving in our churches. We need Him moving in our lives. We need Him moving in our families. We need the Holy Spirit's power that only comes from God. We are powerless against Satan, but we are overcomers with the power of the Holy Spirit upon us. I'm just trying to get you to understand. We need the power of the Holy Spirit on our lives. Amen? We don't need more education. Hello? People think education is the answer. That's not the answer, my friends. What the answer is, is being empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. People think, boy, what we need is more political power. We don't need political power. You see, political power can't change a life. Political power can't bring a family back together. Political power can't restore a nation. But you want me to tell you what can? The power of God on a nation, the power of God on a family, the power of God on a life, that has the power to change a man from the inside out. Hey we don't need bigger government We don't need more politicians Aren't you To me I'm already sick of hearing all this stuff Maybe you're not I get sick of it I get sick of hearing all the news commentators I get sick of all the the empty promises Of all the politicians I get sick of CNN I get sick of Fox News I get sick of all the radio talk heads I get sick of hearing all that stuff You know what we need We don't need more of Rush Limbaugh. We need more of the Word of God. Hello? We don't need more of Bill O'Reilly. We need more of the Word of God. We need the power of the Holy Spirit on our lives. Now, I'm not against those guys. And I'm not against all these that are doing the reporting. The point I'm trying to make is, church, listen, we can't turn to government. We can't turn to presidents. I don't care who they are. We can't turn to community leaders. We must turn to the Word of God because that's where we get our power to do ministry for the Lord. Amen? Amen? Ooh, are you with me this morning? By the way, none of this is in my notes. I've got my notes. I'm trying to get to them. Okay? Will you give me that freedom? <laughs> Jerusalem. He said, I want you to start at Jerusalem. Where is Jerusalem? That's at home. You know where we are. And by the way, can I say one more thing here real quickly? He says that we are to be his what? Witness. Now understand, Jesus does not say, I want you to be my defense attorney. He doesn't say that. You see, I don't have to go out defending the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ all the time. Now, I enjoy apologetics as much as anybody, but that's not my thing. You know what my thing is? My thing is being a witness, which is the last thing that Jesus said should be our thing. We should be a witness for Him. Hello? He said, I don't I don't need you to be my defense attorney. I just want you to be my witness. He, He didn't say, I want you to be a prosecuting attorney. I don't want you to bring individuals on trial and and prosecute. Just be my witness. He said, I don't need you to be my salesman. Just be my witness. You got to understand, guys, that's all that God wants us to be. And he wants us to be a witness in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. Where is Jerusalem? It begins at home. Where does our witness begin? Does that mean we got to get on a plane and fly to Jerusalem? No, 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 no. Here's what it means. It means you begin at home. You start with your family being a witness. And then you go out to your extended family. And then you get out into your community. And then you get out into your circle of influence, whether it be your your coworkers or your neighbors or what. Those people that you interact with on a daily basis, that is your Jerusalem. And the Lord said, "I want you to be a witness To those people. I want you to start in Jerusalem. And then he says. I want you to go into Judea and Samaria. What do we know about Judea. And Samaria. To make a long point. Very short. They were different. The Samaritans were very different. They were different culturally. They were different. As far as race is concerned. And the Lord said. I want you to go to. Judea. Samaria. In other words, I want you to get now further away from home. I want you to go to those that have a different culture than what you have. I want you to go to those that are of a different race than what you are. And by the way, I've shared with you many times my dream for Victory Church is that we be a, a multi-ethnic, a multi-racial church where we don't look at skin color. We see that everybody is somebody that God has created and we want to love on them and we want to share with them the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't want us to be a white church or a black church or a Hispanic church. I want us to be a body of Christ that comes together and worships and does community together. Somebody needs to say amen right there. That's good stuff. That's what he's saying here. He said, go to Jerusalem, start at home. But then I want you to go to those that are different. And I'm amazed at the mentality of some church members. They only want to surround themselves with people that are just like them. God help us. And God help us if we have any in our leadership team. And by the way, I don't think there are any. But God help us if there are. And they haven't shared with me. God help us. If we have any in our church that just want to attract. The kind that we may be. That's sin. The Lord said, I want you to go to Jerusalem. Yes, I want you to start at home. But then I want you to go into Samaria. Guys, do you realize that the Jews would not even walk through Samaria? They thought they were too good. They were, the the Samaritans were the the half-breeds, if you will. They were half Jew. And they thought they were unclean and just the people that were beneath them. And they would walk days around to get around Samaria. And we find our Jesus that Jesus in John chapter 4, I believe it is, walked straight through Samaria and sat at a well with a lady. He's telling us, I don't want you to look down on anybody. I want you to start at home, where you are, in your circle of influence, with your family and your community and your friends and your neighbors and your coworkers. I want you to be my witness there. But then he says, I want you to go further. I want you to go to Judea and Samaria. Now I want you to, what he's saying is, I want you to get outside of your comfort zone. You say, well, I wasn't raised like that. Get over it. Well, you just don't understand. Get over it. Jesus said, the last word he said is go to those who are culturally and racially different than what you are. That's what Judea and Samaria stands for. He said, go to them and be my witness. And then, of course, he finishes and says, go to the ends of the earth. And that means just go reach everybody. But it starts at home. And I want you to see that he's called us to be... A witness. I love the statement that William Arnott, which was a Scottish pastor in the last century, he said something like this. Let me quote. He says, To every true Christian, these two things may be said one, you have need of Christ, and two, Christ has need of you. He went on in that statement and said this, and I pulled out the latter part of it. He said, The simple fact that a Christian is on earth. And not in heaven. Is proof that there is something here for him to do. And if he is not doing it. The neglect. Shows either that he is not yet a Christian. Or that he is a Christian who grieves Christ. What is it that we are to be doing? Well Jesus said we are to be his witness. That's what I want you to see. That's the whole niche of this message today we are to be doing something more than just coming to church on sunday morning that's wonderful i think we're to come to church the bible says not to forsake the assembly of ourselves together we draw strength from each other there's something amazing about corporate worship and fellowship with the church family we are to come together but there's more to christianity than just that there's more to my life as a believer than just worshiping together on sunday morning Jesus said that I am to be a witness when you receive power. Matter of fact, Acts 1 and 8 emphasizes two things that we need to know. First of all, it says how the Holy Spirit empowers us to be disciples. And secondly, how spirit-filled disciples witness for Jesus around the world. And I think I've already mentioned that. So let's kind of get to, get to the nitty-gritty of this thing. The Lord said you're to be my witnesses. I had the privilege my wife and family... And our kids were really small. Kristen was just a baby. Tyler was maybe around four years old or so at the time. But back in North Carolina when I pastored the church there, we had an international missionary that came to our church. And this is a lady named Muriel Gaynor. Muriel Gaynor has been in Japan for over 20, 25 years doing ministry for Jesus Christ. She's given up her life to go to Japan and do service there. She's never been married. She's never had children. She just years ago devoted her life to Christ and said, God, here am I, send me. And she went to Japan. You know what she was? She was just a faithful witness. I'm amazed at what that type of evangelism can do. If we ourselves would just get out of the way and let God just use us, let the Holy Spirit of God, the power of God work through us to convict the soul and to bring it. We don't have to cast judgment on them. We just got to share Christ. Just be a witness and let the Holy Spirit do his work. Sometimes I think we just need to get out of the way so that God can work. Right? Right? Just be a witness. So let me share with you three things. Three things that I think it takes in order for us to be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. And these are very simple. I want you to jot these down on the back of your, uh, the back of your bulletin there this morning. Number one, a witness tells what he knows. He just simply tells what he knows. I looked up the word witness in the dictionary. Here's the, here's the definition I got for that word. One who has seen or heard something... One who furnishes evidence. Guys, you know as well as I do, when you go into a court of law, they'll call someone up to be a witness. And they'll ask you to lay your hand on the Bible or put your hand in the air and swear on the Bible that you'll promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And that's all that's required of a witness. A witness is just someone who just simply tells what he knows. Guys, you realize that to be a witness, you do not have to be a theologian. To be a witness, you do not have to go to Bible college. To be a witness, you do not have to go to seminary. To be a witness, you do not have to understand Greek or Hebrew. To be a witness, you do not even have to understand all that the Bible teaches and says. To be a witness, you simply just tell what you know. I love the passage of Scripture in the book of Acts. Turn, if you will, over to chapter 26. Acts chapter 26. Here the Apostle Paul is preaching and sharing what he knows to King Agrippa. And as he's talking to King Agrippa, I want you to see he's just simply telling what he knows. Look in Acts chapter 26 and verse number 22. Paul says, for this day, to this very day, I have obtained help that comes from God. And I stand and testify to you both small and great, saying nothing else. Then what the prophets and Moses said would take place that the Messiah should suffer and that at and that as the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light to our people and to the Gentiles. Just stop right there. You know, all that Paul was doing, he was simply just telling what he knew that Jesus would come, that he would die on the cross, that he would be buried, that he did resurrect from the grave and that that's what he's sharing. A disciple just simply goes out and shares what he knows. Look, if you will, in verse number 19 of Acts 26. Therefore, King Agrippa said, or therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Instead, I preached to those in Damascus first and to those in Jerusalem and all the region of Judea and to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and do works that are worthy of repentance. In other words, we see that a witness just simply tells what he knows about Christ and he's obedient to do what Christ has asked him to do. Go and preach the gospel. Go and tell and share what the Lord has done for you. It's pretty easy, I think, to be a witness for Christ. I'm just going to tell you what I know about the Lord. I'm not going to try to convince you. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit do that. I'm not going to try to save you. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit do that. I'm just going to tell you what I know about Jesus. I know that he saved me. Amen? I know that he changed me. I know that he came and he died on the cross. I know that he was buried. I know that he rose again victoriously the third day. I know that he will forgive you if you just simply ask. Just simply tell what you know. God's... A lot of times, and we've tried a lot of different evangelism, evangelism strategies around here and everything from, from memorizing verses to, to taking three or four or five or six steps and going through that. I don't know about you, and I've memorized all those things and I've done all those things, but I have never been completely comfortable doing all those things. You know why? Because it's almost like the whole thing was scripted. And I have a hard time in my evangelism efforts going through a script. Or just going, oh, I've got to get to point one. Don't get me off track. i got to get to point two. I've got to ask this question so I can get to point three. That's all well and good if that's your method. But I just like to just talk to you casually. Just one-on-one. And I just want to tell you what I know about Jesus. And I've got a lot I can tell you. What I know about Jesus. And you've got a lot that you can tell. That you know about Jesus. A witness just simply tells what he knows. Okay? That's the first thing that I want you to see. The second thing I want you to see is this. A witness shares what he has experienced. And that's going to piggyback. You're going to share what you know about Christ. And then you're also going to share what you have experienced. That's number two on the slide. You're going to share what you have experienced. Tell what Jesus has done for you. Whenever you're a witness for Christ and you talk to someone, just engage in relationship with them. It doesn't have to be awkward, but you're going to tell what you know about Christ. You don't have to tell everything about the Bible. You don't have to recite the 66 books of the Bible. You don't have to know Greek and Hebrew. I said you don't have to go to seminary or Bible college. Just tell what you know about Jesus and just share what He's done for you. Guys, that's pretty easy. We all can do that. And we can do that at the drop of a hat. Why? Because we've lived through it. Now, if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, you're going to have a hard time with that. But if we as believers have accepted Christ as our Savior, then it's pretty easy for me to tell what I know about Jesus and just share my experience with Him. Look in chapter or chapter 26 and verse 12. Here's where Paul is sharing his experience with King Agrippa. Look what he says in verse 12. I was traveling to Damascus under those circumstances with authority and a commission from the chief priest. And King Agrippa, while on the road at midday, you notice how he's, King Agrippa, King Agrippa, while on the road at midday, I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun shining around me and those traveling with me. And we all fell to the ground and I heard a voice speaking to me in the Hebrew language. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goats. And then I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. But get up and stand up on your feet. For I have appeared to you for this purpose to appoint you as a servant and a witness that you have seen of what I will reveal to you. And I will rescue you. And he goes on and on telling what he's going to do. The point I want you to see here, church, is that Paul is just sharing his experience. He's telling King Agrippa what happened to him on the road to Damascus. And guys, whenever we are a witness for the Lord, yes, we're going to tell what we know about Christ. We're gonna tell that, that he is, he is God's son. That he lived a sinless life. He died on the cross for you. He was buried. He rose victoriously the third date. That's the gospel in a nutshell. That's really all you gotta know about Jesus to be a witness for him. Now there's other things you can know, but that's kind of the, the baseline of it. And every single one of you guys sitting here this morning know that. You can tell what you know about Jesus. The second thing, you share, share the experience. Somebody needs to hear your story. Every single one of us have a story. And all, all God wants you to do is share your story of how you came to know Christ. And that's what Paul is doing with King Agrippa. Now, let me say this once again. And I think I've mentioned this earlier already. Let me add this one word of advice. You don't have to convince your friends and your relatives and your community that you're trying to reach That they need Christ. You don't have to convince them of that. That is the Holy Spirit's job. You say, but they need to be saved. That may be true, but that's not your job. Can you save anyone? No. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. He just needs you. He needs you to be a mouthpiece. He needs you to tell what you know about Christ. He needs you to share your experience. And then He will take it from there and start fingering around in their heart and bring them to Christ. I remember early on as a pastor... I just felt a huge burden that it was my responsibility for everyone in the church that I was pastoring to be in a right relationship with Christ. And I literally ran myself ragged trying to get to everybody's house and be sure that they were walking with Christ. I mean, and I really got discouraged because somebody would get right with the Lord. Next thing you know, they're not. And I'm thinking, I failed. No, 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 no. Finally, the Holy Spirit came to me and thumped me in the head, gave me a good Holy Spirit thump and said, quit doing my work. I just want you to preach the gospel. I just want you to tell what my word says. I'll take care of the rest of it. Guys, it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict and draw someone to the Lord Jesus Christ. He just wants to use you to tell what you know about Christ and to share your experience. Guys, every single one of us can do that. Can we not? Evangelism does not have to be that difficult and that hard and many times we get scared because we got all this memorization We got to just tell what you know about jesus And just share your experience just be a witness. Just tell what you know. Is that easy enough? Guys, we all can do that The third thing I want you to see is this is that a witness remains loyal to the end a witness remains loyal to the end You see, we get our English word martyr from the Greek word translated witnesses. It means that I am going to be faithful to Christ and to the cause of Christ all the way to the end. I am going to be loyal to Jesus. I am going to be loyal to the gospel. I am going to be faithful. That's why Paul closed out that great resurrection passage in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 58 where he says, Therefore, my dear brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the Lord's work, knowing that your labor is not in vain. So what is a witness? You should be able to tell it back to me by now. What is a witness? Number one, just tell what you know. Number two, just share your experience. And number three, remain loyal to Christ. Guys, every single one of us can be a witness. And that's the last words of the Lord before he was ascended up into heaven. He said, you'll receive power from the Holy Spirit and you're to be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That's at home. Judea, Samaria. That's to those that are different culturally and racially. And to the ends of the earth, that's everyone I just want you to be my witness. But I'm amazed at how many times we come up with excuses. Oh, preacher, you just don't understand. I, I stutter and stammer. You know what? You're just not depending on the Holy Spirit of God. He can work through that. Just trust Him. A matter of fact, He can even use that. Just trust Him. You say, well, I'm shy. Once again... The power of God will rest on you when you start being his witness. Depend upon him. You may say, well, I don't know enough Bible. Nobody knows enough Bible. Hello? I don't know enough of God's word. Nobody knows enough of God's word. I want you to understand. There is nobody that has arrived with great Bible knowledge and if anyone walks into a room and starts teaching you and says, I have great Bible knowledge, listen to me, to me, that's a red flag that goes up. And I don't really don't want to hear anything this guy has to say. Right? I mean, there are some men out there and women with some great Bible knowledge. But here's what I've discovered about those individuals the more they learn, the more they realize they don't know anything. And they get very, very humble. And they will stand before you very humble. And say, I don't know everything in God's word, but I know a few things, and then I am blown away with what they do know. But it's the ones that come in high and haughty. God help us with that. Amen? So you I know you don't know enough Bible. Nobody knows enough Bible. But let's just study and keep working at it, keep working at it, and over time we'll know more and we'll be able to handle more and more situations. But you don't have to know all the Bible. You say, What if I make mistakes? We've all made mistakes. I'm amazed I'm amazed at how God has used my mistakes To bring someone to Christ I have misquoted scripture I have given wrong references Now I got the gospel Jesus died on the cross He was buried He rose again Believe in him Repent of your sins Trust Christ And be saved I mean that's kind of the, the gist of it But I'm amazed at how many times I've messed up And made mistakes In the midst of my mistakes God is still able to work You know what At the end of the day It's not really about me anyway It's about him and me just being his mouthpiece, and me just living out what Jesus said I'm to do, I'm to be a witness. Guys, we've all been left behind here for one reason, and that's to be a witness. So let me ask you a question. I want to ask you to do about four things. I'm going to put them up on the slide here. I'd like for you to do about these four things for me. And jot these down if you need to. They'll be up here for just a moment. Here's what I want you to do as a result of hearing this message And this month being our International Missions, World Missions Month emphasis, I want you to really contemplate these four things. Number one, I would like to ask you to pray that God would give you a chance to be a witness for Christ this week. Not next month, not by the end of the month, but this week. I want you to pray that God would give you an opportunity, that He will give you a chance to be a witness. What does a witness do? I didn't ask you to be a theologian. I asked you to be a witness. What does a witness do? Tell what I know about Christ. Share my story, my experience, and just be faithful. Guys, we all can do that. Every one of us can do that. And you're going to share in your own style, in your own manner. But I want you to really, really pray that God will give you an opportunity to be a witness for him this week. The second thing, I want you to commit right now. Make the commitment right now. That you will speak up when God answers that prayer and gives you that opportunity that you prayed for this week. Because I know when you get serious about being a witness, I'm amazed at how God starts working things and bringing people across your path. Okay? What does a witness do? Real quick. Tells what he knows about Christ. Shares his experience. Remains faithful and loyal. What does a witness do? Tells what he knows about Christ shares his experience, your story, remain faithful and true, we can do this, guys. This isn't rocket science stuff here. It's pretty basic, pretty fundamental. We all can do it. It's the last commission that God gave us. So I want you to pray that God will give you opportunity. I want you to commit right now, commit right now to taking advantage of that opportunity when it comes this week. Third thing I want you to do, we have a great, a fantastic Class called class 401 it's discovering my life mission. We offer these classes once a quarter We're going to be getting the bulletin the next week or so and the dates for all these classes I want you to make a commitment for those that have not taken class 401 or maybe it's been a while since you've taken class 401 Maybe you need to go through it again. I want you to sign up for this next class. It will give you more confidence It will help you do evangelism. It will help you be a better witness for christ it's his words that we're to do this, okay? And this class will help you. I want you to sign up for the next class 401. And then the last thing I'd like for you to do is really pray and get a burden for world evangelism. Guys, there are, there are those that are willing to go, and it really breaks my heart that the funding is not there to send these families overseas to where God is calling them to be an evangelist and a missionary and a witness for them, we need a good world missions offering at the end of this month. And what? I, and this—none of this is staying with our church. It's all 100% of it, all going to international missions for world evangelism. We are not keeping a penny of it. You know, for the tabernacle offering, we usually keep that to help in our building. None of that's going this month. It's all going to international missions. Every dime that's given, okay. And I want you to pray about as a family what you can give. You say, boy. I can probably only give a little. Then give a little. Some of you are in financial situations where you can give a little more. Some are in financial situations where you can give a lot. You pray about where God... Listen, it's not about the amount, but it's about every single one of us doing what we can. And we're all at different levels financially. And we're all at different stages in our life, from raising little ones to having those in college. And I know the financial burdens on all of that. And we're all at different levels. But we all can do something. Something. If nothing else, why don't you buy a Starbucks coffee for someone at the International Missions? And whatever that is now, what is it, 3 or $4 for a cup of coffee? We can all do something. So let's all commit now for the last Sunday this month for our WMO offering that we're all going to bring something. And if we all bring something, it's going to add up to a lot. And it's going to make a big impact on our International Missions Department And it's going to help get our missionaries back on the field. It breaks my heart. I mean, I've I've spoken with several of them. I've talked to them on the phone. I've chatted with them through email and different different venues. And it breaks my heart that they're here stateside and they're not able to be on the field where they were serving because the funds financially are not there. And I realize we as a church can't fund everybody. I know that, but we can do our part. And as we partner with other churches in the state of Illinois and other churches across the nation we all can make a big impact and help get our missionaries back on the field. Would you agree that's a noble cause? Amen? It's living out what God left us here to do, and that's being His witness. I wonder as every head is bowed and every eye is closed. Heavenly Father, we thank You, Lord, for this privilege to stand and preach Your Word today. And God, we're aware of Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where You have called us every single one of us, to be a witness for you. Not a defense attorney, not a prosecuting attorney, not even a judge, but just a witness. And God, we collectively can do that. We can tell what we know about you. And we can share what you've done in our lives. And we can remain faithful and loyal to you. And keep doing that week after week after week after week. God, help our lives to call, count for the cause of Christ. God, you've left us here for this purpose. You've brought people across our path with the intent that we would share with them. And God, I'll be the first to admit, I've missed opportunities to share the gospel. I'm sure we all could say, God, forgive us because we've missed those opportunities. But God, right now, we're going to be intentional beginning this week, beginning right now God, we're going to pray that right now you would give us an opportunity this week to be a witness for you and secondly right now we're going to commit we're going to make a commitment that when you answer that prayer that we're going to step up and we're going to share and we're going to be that witness and we're going to tell what we know about you and we're going to share what you've done in our lives. We're going to remain faithful and loyal to you. God, also, we're going to take advantage of, of Class 401. We're going to hone our skills and we're going to learn more about how to share our faith. And when that next class is offered, God, we're going to, we're going to go. As a family, God, we're going to go. God, also. We're aware that there are those that have answered the call. Lord, that you would give us the burden, God, that we need. To be able to see what we could do financially as a family. That we would bring our world missions offering the last Sunday of this month. And we would give to help get our missionaries back on the field. Father, every decision that's made here in this invitation, first of all, we give you honor and glory for it. God, we just pray today as we came in and celebrated last week the wonderful resurrection of our Lord today we deal with a passage of scripture that happened some 40 days after the resurrection when Jesus ascended back up into heaven and he gave us this commission that we would be endued with power from the Holy Spirit that we would wait on that that we would seek after that that we would go and be a witness in Jerusalem our hometown, our community Judea and Samaria to those that are different culturally and racially and to the ends of the earth that we'd be a witness to everyone God help us to take seriously this last great commission that was given by our Lord help our church to be a evangelistic church. Help our church to take seriously this great commission and the great commandment. The great commission to go and make disciples. The great commandment to love you and to love each other. God, I think if we do those two things well, that you, God, can build a great church at 223 Scott Troy Road in O'Fallon. But God, we can't do this by ourselves father we need you we need your holy spirit we need your power and all god's people said
0: well thank you for joining us for this message from the word of god Or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.